Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dottillo Coster. It's that time of year, friend, the time where we want to curl up on the couch and watch our favorite holiday movies. Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, and Elf are my favorites in that order. But before you completely check out on your business, please take some time to reflect on Q4, especially while it's still fresh in your mind, and for the entire year. When it comes to my recommendations for looking back on Q4 specifically, we're not going to go too deep on that here. You can learn more about my process for campaign reviews in episode 87, and there's also a template for you inside the resource library. I'll put links in the show notes for those. What I really want to talk about is the data you should be looking at for the entire year in your business. The end of December and beginning of January is a great time to dive into every nook and cranny as if it's the first time you're looking at it. Even if this is something you do on a monthly and quarterly basis, as I recommend, I still think you should come at it with fresh eyes at the end of the year because we have a way of remembering things a bit differently than how they actually happened. And we're going to be breaking this down over the next few weeks in our yearly review series. We're kicking this off talking about all the metrics that matter. So let's dive in. First, you're going to want to start with your high-level numbers, such as your traffic, conversion, AOV, gross margin, and your return customer rate. These are the base metrics you should always be looking at, and they're the first numbers you're going to want to consider when it's time to decide what the best next steps in your business are. I go deeper into my process for leveraging your KPIs to make business decisions in episode 93, and it's also something we focus heavily on in the lounge membership. But those aren't the only numbers you're going to want to look at. There are three others that aren't quite talked about enough in the small business space, and that's what I want to walk through today. Fair warning, we're taking really broad strokes here. There are different ways to calculate these numbers, different cohorts of customers you'll calculate them for, different time periods, lots of different ways to play around with these. But unless you're planning on going out and getting VC funding, these broad strokes are the perfect place to start. If you're just getting started in business, some of this might seem super over your head right now. Or you might think that you don't have enough data at this stage to pay attention to these numbers. But even if that's true, learn these concepts now so that you are ahead of the game as you start to grow. First up is customer lifetime value. Essentially, how much is the average customer worth to you over the course of being your customer? This is going to be unique to each and every business because it's based on so many different factors, including your industry, product, customer, frequency of purchases, your margin, etc. 
Let's think about someone that serves the wedding industry. Anyone who has gotten married knows that as soon as the word wedding is attached to an event, prices increase tremendously. A cake for a birthday party is a lot less expensive than a wedding cake, even if it serves the same number of people. Sure, it's a really important high-stakes day, and the cakes, dresses, and decorations you buy are more intricate and take more work to create. But it's also a company's one shot to make money off of you because the general idea is that you only get married once. Even the price of a location is more when the word wedding is attached. There's this rooftop venue in downtown LA that I wanted to get married at, but the prices were just crazy. I'll probably have an anniversary or birthday party there at some point because that was much more reasonable. Another example along these lines is if you sell something baby-related. Sure, people have more than one child, but in many cases, parents aren't spending quite as much on baby number two because they're reusing some of the items they got when they had baby number one. Your customer might age out of the products you sell. For example, a client I worked with back in the day sold cushion covers for breast pumps. They were consumable and people do have multiple children, but this phase is pretty short in the scheme of things. So there's going to be a cap on the overall lifetime value they will build with any one customer. On the flip side of that is someone that sells coffee. The individual product is much less expensive than weddings, right? But as long as the product is good and you create a great experience for the customer and they see value, they're going to shop with you again and again and again, building that lifetime value year after year. Understanding this number is super important because it gives you insight into how much you can afford to spend on acquiring a new customer, something we're going to talk about in a moment. Understanding your customer lifetime value also gives you insight into knowing whether you should focus more on acquisition or retention. We take a deeper look at that in episode 10 of the podcast, and monitoring it over time will show you how well your retention efforts are working. There does tend to be some confusion with customer lifetime value and customer lifetime revenue. A tool like Klaviyo, which actually has a CLV field and predicted CLV field when you export your list, isn't taking into account the costs associated with those sales to begin with. So technically, it's giving you customer lifetime revenue. This is still a good number to understand in the abstract and for most of you will be pretty telling all on its own. The true CLV calculation is gross margin over a certain period of time divided by the number of customers in that same time period. Don't get too caught up in these details if this is the first time you're ever looking at these numbers. Again, even just looking at customer lifetime revenue is a good place to start. Next up is your customer acquisition cost, often referred to as CAC. Customer acquisition cost often gets confused with cost per acquisition. Both include a consideration for your variable ad costs, how much you're spending on ads, but CAC also includes the cost of any platforms you're using, your agency fees, any team salaries, anything you spend money on that goes into the efforts to acquire new customers. Both of them are important and give you a bit of different insight into your business. But if you're only looking at one of them, I would start with your customer acquisition cost that includes all of the other associated expenses. 
I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole here, but you'll also want to consider how these numbers shift over the course of the year and any potential seasonality effects, and even how your different marketing channels perform. Once you have these two numbers, customer lifetime value and customer acquisition cost, now you'll really be able to tell if you're profitable. That's where the LTV to CAC ratio comes in. Simply, your goal is to have a higher lifetime value than acquisition cost. Pretty simple, right? If your CAC is higher than your CLV, then you're technically losing money and you want to avoid that. The benchmark here is a three to one ratio. So for every dollar you spend to acquire a customer, you'll want to get $3 back in value. Of course, that is not a hard and fast rule, but it does give you something to shoot for. If you're talking about customer lifetime revenue, that doesn't account for your cost of goods. So you'll need that ratio to be higher. When you are earlier in your business, you're likely going to have a lower ratio here because it's costing you more money to get eyeballs on your business and get new customers. And they haven't been around long enough to build up that lifetime value. That's completely normal and okay. You just want to be continually improving that over time. The last number I want to talk about today is your marketing efficiency ratio, aka MER. This is a simplified, more holistic way to look at the efficiency of your advertising. You calculate it by dividing your revenue by your advertising spend. Now, this isn't going to help you figure out what channels to spend your money on or whether or not you have to tweak your ad copy. You're going to have to get more granular for those kinds of insights, but it will give you a high level view of whether or not your efforts are paying off. This is especially important to understand as privacy laws make it harder to track ad results and we increase our touch points with customers. Just because someone didn't buy from a specific ad, it doesn't mean it wasn't an important touch point in their journey. For all we know, that ad was how they discovered us, and if they never saw it, they never would have made a purchase. This can also be helpful if you're utilizing more traditional forms of advertising that can't be measured as accurately as digital advertising, like billboard, radio, and print. In my previous day job, we had 30-plus physical locations, but they were spread out all across the U.S., and so the majority of our marketing was super localized and included a lot of traditional marketing activities. While we couldn't necessarily calculate the exact value of a billboard, a print ad, or even radio, we did see what happened when we stopped any of them. Foot traffic and ultimately sales in the store went down. While the marketing efficiency ratio is traditionally used for paid advertising efforts, you can still use this concept to get a sense of how your organic marketing efforts are working as well. And just like the customer acquisition calculation, you can include all of the expenses associated with those marketing efforts. So that might be tech platforms, agencies, employees, or even your own time. Let's touch on that for a moment. Your own time because this is important in so many facets of your business. Even if you are a one-person show, it is so important to put a dollar value on the time you spend working in your business, because as you grow, it's not always going to be you. You're going to have to outsource at some point, and you're going to have to pay those people the going rate for their jobs and whatever additional costs are associated with having employees. So when you're adding up how much it costs to run ads, 
make sure you're accounting for what it would cost you to pay someone else to do that work. In terms of what is a good marketing efficiency ratio, there isn't really a hard and fast rule here. Sometimes you'll see people say three is considered good, but there are other variables that go into determining what is and isn't good for your business. Just like your LTV to CAC ratio, if you're new to business and just getting started, it would be normal for you to have a lower MER ratio because you're just really focused on getting new eyes on your business and acquiring new customers who will eventually turn into repeat customers. You're testing and trying, likely wasting a little money along the way as you collect data and learn. This is completely normal and to be expected. The margin on your products also matters here. Someone with a 60% gross margin doesn't necessarily need as high a ratio as someone whose margin is only 40% because they're naturally going to make more money off of every sale. Ultimately, like much of what we talked about today, your goal is to be better than you were yesterday. All right, I know we covered a lot today. Even though this is a short episode, it's a lot of numbers and data and acronyms. And for many of you, even if you've heard these terms before, it might be the first time you've heard the calculation or the first time you've even considered calculating it in your own business. Some of you, you may not have nearly enough data to even bother, or the numbers are going to look abysmal because you're in more of that getting started phase. All of that is okay. I teach you this not because I want you to become obsessive over these numbers. It's just to give you new ways to look at and think about your business and marketing efforts. Honestly, even if you just calculate them this one time and don't look at it again until next year, that's okay too. Remember, these are high-level, more holistic numbers. They're meant to just give you a quick pulse on your business and confirm if you're going in the right direction. It's also a signal to say, oh shit, I'm doing better than I thought, or damn, something looks off here. To truly make change and improve, you're going to need to dig deeper, and we're going to do that over the next few episodes in this series. Make sure you tune into episode 93 of the podcast to learn how to use your traffic, conversion, AOV, margin, and repeat customer rate, your base metrics, to make business decisions, and episode 87 to learn my process for conducting a quarterly and or campaign review. If you enjoyed this episode and you want me to dig deeper into numbers like this on the podcast moving forward, please DM me on Instagram and let me know. I am happy to nerd out on data with you at any time. If you're ready to start digging deeper into the numbers of your business and leveraging data to make decisions, I invite you to join us in the lounge membership. Understanding your data so you can cut your to-do list has always been a big focus in that program, and I've got some new tricks up my sleeve for next year. I'd love to have you there. And that, my friends, is a wrap. Make sure you tune in next week for more details on performing a year-end review. Continue getting those last-minute orders out the door. I hope you're having a kick-ass holiday season, and I'll see you on the flip side. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.